Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'll make no bones about the matter. I'm terribly excited and so Zog. It must be the start of another F1 season, it must is. It? <laughs> And actually the point at which we're recording this programme, it is just before the start of the F1 season. Let me paint the picture for you. It is 9.30 in the evening in London, and it's Saturday night. And we should say that we actually can't work out how many hours it is till the start of the race because we're a bit confused by this whole uh, change of clocks thing. It's yeah, I've just, just found out that the clocks go forward, so that means we lose an hour of sleep. But does so, that mean yeah. that the race is an hour earlier than we hoped it was uh, going to be? Yes, it does. Good, that's good news then. Yes, yeah. unless we... Don't oversleep exactly. and miss, miss it by an hour and miss the, the start of the race, which yeah. would be terrible, bad. very bad. What we're going to do is we're going to spend uh, a few minutes talking about our impressions of the new season so far. Then we're going to go to bed and then we'll wake up again and we'll watch the race. Then we'll record the second half of the show after the race. But first of all, I think we have to congratulate Braun GP, who got pole and second in qualifying. Unheard of. No, I mean, it, it's got the season off to a spectacular start. I mean, a few weeks ago, you know, you, we were wondering whether they were even going to be on the grid or not. Was Jensen going to be out of a drive? You know, Barrichello out of a drive? And they turn up and they just dominate qualifying. It's fantastic. We've spent the last probably four or five programmes speculating on who's going to own what is now Braun GP and very interestingly uh, I read a report today we know that Virgin Group have come on board as a sponsor Kelsa Breeze actually genuinely Kelsa Breeze but Branson has said that he's talking about investing in the team and could theoretically take naming rights on the team in other words buy the team out right after all We'll see if this actually manifests, if it does turn around. So maybe our prediction of Virgin F1 could come true. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Well, it seemed from the Ross Braun interview, uh, was it just after qualifying on the BBC coverage? Well, he he was talking as if the name had kind of come together at the last minute. You know, there hadn't been a great master plan to make Braun GP. You know, they got the money together and then they had to think, well, what are we going to call this thing? And, uh, well, you know, Braun GP, why not? I wonder if this was all part of the grand plan. They've decided to do sort of a holding pattern thing where the deal was, okay, Braun, you manage this team for a month or two until we've got the investment in place, then we'll come in and we promise you it'll be in, but we can't do it right away if there's something spurious like that. I mean, you know, I I absolutely haven't got a clue, but my guess would be there's no grand plan here. It's been, you know, it's been very much, you know, cobbled together as quickly as they could. That you know they're probably quite relieved to be there on the grid, and you know if they'd had a title sponsor who was prepared to come up with enough money, then that title sponsor would have the teams. You know it would be Naming Virgin rights. GP. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be Born GP. And and maybe when someone comes up with enough money, the name will change. So, if you were. Honda right now, Zong. How hard would you be kicking yourself in the butt? I'd be kicking myself. I'd be kicking every domestic pet in sight. I'd be uh, spitting blood. I mean, you know, could they possibly... You couldn't have predicted it. If they'd bailed out of the sport at any time in the last six years, you know, you'd have said, well, fair enough. You know, you're, you know, you're you're putting money up the wall, of course you've got to get out. You know, they, they've somehow contrived to pick the worst moment to do it and and seem to have given quite a lot of money to Braun GP in the bargain. A reputed how much? 180 million was the number that I've got in mind. Dollars that, or quid? It's academic, isn't it? 100, well, 180 million dollars, I think. Um, yeah. But, but I'm, and I'm, of, of 
180 million yen. 180 million dollars of, of, of financial assistance for some kind. I'm not wow. sure. Wow. But the important thing, you know, you know, forget all this, you know, you know, what the team's called, you know, what a fantastic story that, you know, that they've come from nowhere from this, you know, from, from, from a black hole of uncertainty and dominated qualifying and first and second uh, on the grid. But you made an interesting point, actually, because we, we, we did have a very quick chat about this before we actually managed to turn a microphone on. And, uh, and you managed to work out that actually the last time that any team on its debut took first and second was... Tyrrell Army, yeah, Tyrrell. Yeah, Tyrrell, 1970. Yeah, in Kyle Kyle Army. Army yeah. um, and Tyrrell, of course, are really the, 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 the forefathers of yeah. today's Braun. Braun because, because Braun yeah. came out of Honda. Yeah. Honda came out of BAR. Yeah. And BAR came out of Tyrrell. Yeah. So, uh, so no change there. Tyrrell. It's fate, you know. Ken Tyrrell, big, big daft Ken, continues to dominate Formula One as he did all those years ago. I mean, it's fascinating. But if we follow this rule, you know, that when Tyrrell got pole and second uh, Jackie Stewart went on to finish third in Tyrrell's first race with a March forward chassis I should say but his teammate Chris Amon retired the, after 14 the terribly laps. unlucky Chris Amon yeah, wasn't he yeah, yeah. Uh, retired after 14 laps overheating so at the moment we record this part of this show which is like I said before the race, after qualifying, uh, we've got to try and predict what's going to happen. And if we follow the rule, that means Button will go on to finish third, which probably means Vettel will win, and that Barrichello will break down after 14 laps with overheating if his front wing isn't knocked off by someone else first. Yeah, you see, that, that, that doesn't sound quite right to me. I've got, you know, I am really regretting that I didn't get a bet down on Button to win oh, this race. Wow. I really he am. was favourite, though, wasn't he? So you wouldn't have got great odds. Well, exactly. Well, no, that's the, yeah, but. but yeah, but, but he's favourite now, and he's been favourite for a, for a few days. But yeah. you know, but, uh, but previously, there, but there you wouldn't have bet on there him. There was a you? time when, if you were quick enough, you know, yeah. you, you could have got a bet on at some decent odds. Um, there we go. So, uh, but one pole does not a season make, or even a win make. They've got to translate having a very quick car over a few laps into having a very quick car that will last the full race distance but they've actually oh. they've looked good and they, they, the uh, journalists who've been out at testing have not reported any Braun GP breakdown. what's going to break on that car you know it's, it's a Mercedes engine which mm. is going to be pretty solid yeah. um, you know I guess they haven't had much time to do the kind of, what would you call it, sort of systems integration stuff. Yeah. You know, basically all of the stuff around the engine and sort of how that's packaged in the car. And, you know, you know, I guess, you know, you can have some problems there to do with you know, cooling and that sort of stuff that can be fatal. But uh, I, I think Button's going to win it, you know. You know I, and and uh, I won't be surprised if both of those Brawns finish the race. And, wow. Yeah. Here's, Don't you think? Here's the thing. Well, I... Well, I... I think one of them will finish the race. Do you know why? Because traditionally, Australia has a very low finish rate. The first race of the season always eats up cars. Last year, I think only seven cars finished the race. So statistically, it's going to knock one of the brawns out. I'm yes. saying this all before the race, but I promise well, you. It's, it's TV's Violet Berlin. Come in, Violet. That's all right. We're just talking about Formula One. We can't resist it. That's unusual. <laughs> Are you excited about the race, V? very excited about the qualifying result after the end of last season that sort of fairy tale ending yeah. we've got a fairy tale beginning yeah, 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 to yeah. this season yeah, yeah. and um, I just think it's brilliant that Virgin and uh, Braun have got this relationship now yeah. and you know it's really exciting if, if, if this is how they start 
How are they going to continue? <laughs> and I've got a theory that Richard Branson's got Bert Rutan, you know, from the X-Plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> working. Uh, working scaled, behind scaled the scenes. Composites, Mr. Yeah. Scaled Composites. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a clever man. Didn't Bert Rutan and uh, Colin Chapman uh, work on a project together? Did in they? The 70- I believe they did. We're going to have to research that okay, for part well, two of the show. Yeah, watch right. space, folks. We're going to look into this okay, and come back. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely idea, that is. Well, listen, you mentioned systems integration there. Yeah. Here's something I heard recently about systems integration in Formula One cars that I think needs to be said. Ross Braun, when he was talking about finding an engine for the car, was mooted to, first of all, be using the Honda block. Then it was said they were going to use the Ferrari block. Which would be a natural choice, given yeah. his... His connections yep. with Ferrari. Then finally, turns out that they've got a Mercedes engine. And he said a very interesting thing, that particularly at this season, at this point in Formula One, just shoving an engine in at the last moment is not as big a problem as it has been in the past. Mm. Because of the standardisation of outputs and uh, pretty much the chalk band and everything, of and, and the and ECU, ECU. And, yep. uh, of the cars he stays, that, you know, Popping an engine in now is as easy as it was as just buying a Ford DFE all those years ago and sticking that in the back of your March chassis and calling your car a Tyrrell, funnily enough. Which is very interesting because... I can see you going somewhere. Yeah, the, the complete flip side to that is what Giorgio Ascanelli said, who is the Toro Rosso... What's his job title? He's not head of engineering. He's sporting director, I think. Genius of a man. He used to be at McLaren, responsible for the Toro Rosso Renaissance, I think. He said, when describing the new Toro Rosso car, no, 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 it's not the re-engined version of the RB4. No, no, it's totally different. Totally different. Because we have a different engine, we have a Ferrari engine, not a Renault engine, the car has completely different cooling characteristics. So we have a completely different cooling system, completely different gearbox. Uh, the air requirements is totally different. So who do we believe, you know? Are the engines standardised? Do they all behave the same? Or are they different? As Violet Berlin always says to me, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Well, it is. And the truth is probably a bit more complicated because I would... uh, I'm speculating here. It may be easier to, you know integrate a random engine if you like the car is still going to be made different in various ways it's going to mean some differences in perhaps where you're going to have to have some of the you know cooling elements you know radiators you're going to mm-hmm. but, 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 but you know that that's really fundamental stuff you it know is, you know nice. you, yeah. you know that, that is really you know, has a huge influence on the, the shape of the car so yeah. i've kind of talked myself out of the point that i started making it the, <laughs> the, <laughs> this is live radio ladies and gentlemen we can that, cut that out i don't yeah, think we will yeah. this is unedited that what you're getting yeah. is what you get we haven't got time to edit this show. We've got to get but it up, you know. You what, the, the other thing about those Braun cars, I thought they look fantastic. Mm, you know, I mean, minimalist. Well, well look fantastic within certain parameters. Yeah. You know, those parameters being that basically all of those cars look like they're shot with a, some kind of wide-angle lens that's making the front of the car look bigger than <laughs> the back of the car look smaller. Uh, as you will see on the website, I'm taking the mick out of the look of um, the new F1 cars 2009. You'll see I've got a picture of a, a snowplow. Mm. It's painted red. It's got a kite, a box kite, on the back, and it's got Ferrari written all over it. Because that's what they look like, a snowplow with a box kite on the back. They do. I mean, I'm trying quite hard to like the look of the cars. It's just the rear wing that's getting me. I don't have a big problem with, with anything else. It's mm. just the rear wing just looks out of proportion. Yep. Um, and Which, in a way, is silly, because we've had narrow 
tall rear wings in the sport before. Yeah. And, you know, we've well, had... Jordan, 19... When was Jordan's debut? 91. The, I think it was. The very yeah. first Jordan. The green one, looks, yeah. yeah. The 7-up painted one. Mm. Looks just like an F1 car from 2009. And there are those who regard Gary Anderson's design for that car as the most beautiful Formula One car ever. Controversial. Yeah. Understanding Formula One. Lesson 12. How to explain when your car is unreasonably quick. Number one. Ross Braun. Well, it's simply the result of some sheer determination on the part of the whole team. Number two. Pat Simmons, technical director, Renault. Oh, well, Fernando's a great driver and he's clearly done a great job. Number three. Adrian Newey. Technical Director, Red Bull Racing. We are using technology we have stolen from aliens and robots of the future. Let's just run through the grid. I want to um, do two things. I want to talk about BBC. Uh, yeah, I'll talk about the grid first. Uh, no, we'll do the grid in a moment. Let's talk about BBC briefly because we're running out of time. We've already talked for ten minutes, and yeah. we've got to save some time to talk about the race. So well, good to have the chain back. You know, we did. We like that. Dum duddy duddy dum dum. Nice title sequence. That's cool. The only thing we can't agree on is how you spell dum duddy duddy. That's true. Yes, because we we both heard the chain was coming back. We sent a text to each other at the same time, both having spelled dum duddy duddy dum dum in a slightly different way. Yeah, and I am right. Oh, no, no, I'm right. It's yeah. the Welsh spelling, of course. Oh, sir. <laughs> but beyond that, I'm loving the BBC coverage, and not just because I can watch it on my iPhone uh, on the iPlayer. That is... That's a- modern. <laughs> I can watch qualifying in the bath. I love oh, it. That's, that's heaven, isn't it? Yes. So I may have to get a blooming iPhone now you've said that. Oh, you're, you're coming over to the dark side. <laughs> and the only thing is, I mean, I, I, I love... Listening to Morris, I, I think Morris Hamilton does a great job. It, it, it's a really, really great commentary team. You know, real strength and depth. Anthony Davidson's great, he's, isn't he? You know, he's really stepped up to the mark, you know, because yeah. I've, previously, on, in a couple, couple of occasions when he's done commentary before, I haven't been that impressed. But I thought uh, this he, time around he was really, really good. You know, he wasn't as slick as Brundle, shall we say, but, mm. but he's not as experienced. Wouldn't expect that. But, uh, but no, he was really good. He was funny. He didn't flop Well informed. Yeah. And he, no, he delivered exactly what you want. I don't know if you've managed to watch practice as Zog and I have, but on practice, they don't have the television commentary. If you're watching it on the BBC Red Button, which you can only do in, here in Britain, you get the commentary from BBC Radio 5 Live. So you get Morris Hamilton and Anthony and Davidson yeah. of yeah. the first session. Sorry, for the first session, it was... Who's the other guy? Oh, blimey. Um, I've forgotten his name. But the, you get the radio commentators with Anthony Davidson, who are great. And then when qualifying starts, you get Brondal and Jonathan Ledyard, who I know reasonably well, and I've always thought is a great commentator. I'm surprised he's doing it because he was kind of locked into the world of football and pleased he's back. He'll put a bit of excitement in there that had been lacking from Brundle's previous partner as a commentator, which we all know about. Mm. I love uh, Morris Hamilton's commentary. I think he's very, very good. The only thing is, 
I keep forgetting it's Morris Hamilton. I keep thinking it's John Watson. It's, mm. I it's a very similar sort of voice there. Very sort of slightly like that. You know, John John Watson always the whole thing finishes in the same tone. But Morris Hamilton is slightly lighter there. Yeah. Listen, we, we've got to wrap it up because yeah. we've got to go to bed. Um, um, not uh, together, by the way. But we'll just, yeah. no. Well, not tonight. Anyway, no. And th- you stop laughing, Violet Burley. You, you're the one who he has to sleep with me. Yeah. Cool. So um, just look at the grid here. We failed to mention a couple of things. Very pertinent at this uh, stage. First of all, the two cars at the back of the grid at 19 and 20 are the two Toyotas of Timo Glock and Jano Trulli, who were excluded from qualifying because of an extremely flexible rear wing. That was the case. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit, that's a bit of a cock-up on their oops. part. Yeah, Big yeah, oops. They, uh, I mean, they, they hadn't quite lived up to their potential in qualifying anyhow because you know we expected them to be right up at the sharp end and they didn't yeah. quite make it really did yeah, they they're running curves aren't they Lewis Hamilton oh god starting the race from 18th because he's had to change his gearbox having only in a achieved 15th yeah. in a slow car where did Heike finish in the end of things 11th, gonna start yeah. 11th well you know it's not great, is it? What happened there? I mean, there's another reason for Honda to kick themselves in the year that, you know, Ferrari aren't on it. It suddenly opened up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, in the year know. that McLaren are way off it. Mm. They decide to, oh, no, we're not going to bother anymore. Yeah, Honda really got their act together. They designed yeah. a fantastic car last <laughs> year, they, you know, because they, they had good, smart people working on it, and those those smart people came up with smart solutions. We see the result. So the rest of the grid going through it at a pace. Sebastian Bourdais, very miserable at 17th. Adrian Sutil at 16th, better than usual for Force India. Sebastian Buemi out-qualifying his teammates on his debut. That's a big blow to the other Sebastian. And you know a fantastic Sebastian fact, well, very quickly yes they both have the same middle name as well the same first name I mean just how okay so to drive for this team you have to be called Sebastian you have to be called Sebastian Olivier I think it is and you have to speak, speak French, French. I mean, just, okay they're not going to get any more drivers to line up along those two Listen, if those are the qualifications that they start with I'm going to become a driver manager I'm going to get the Paris phone book yeah. and find out anyone called Sebastian Olivier and say listen have you driven a car because there might be an opening for Paris you Paris look up your phone yeah. Paris <laughs> They'd go. be good, wouldn't they? They would. So, uh, where are we? Uh, Kazuki Nakajima, 14th. Disappointing for him because he'd been very quick early on. Giancarlo Fisichella, hooray! 13th. Probably his best qualifying in the Force India. I could be wrong there. Nelson qualifying ahead of, well... Okay, Sutil, yeah. Well, qualifying ahead of uh, Lewis Hamilton, all, all yeah. because of the gearbox thing, but same engine. Did it. Yeah. PK, Nelsino uh, at 12th, hooray. Uh, Heike Kovalainen, 11th, should be in the top five. Uh, Fernando Alonso, 10th, should be in the top five. Nick Heidfeld, 9th, should be in the, about 12th or 14th. Mark Webber, 8th, another good turnout from Red Bull, well done. Kimi Raikkonen, 7th, should be second on the grid. Felipe Massa, 6th. Probably should be on pole. I think he's the better of the two Ferrari drivers these days, even though I love Kimi. Uh, Nico Rosberg, fifth in the Williams. That must make you so happy as a well, Williams fan. No, I mean, I love Williams. I mean, you know, I love, uh, I love McLaren as well, but I'm a big Williams fan. Mm. I think that they're, they're such pure racers. They can be absolute b- in a way, you know, in terms of you know, dealing with drivers yeah. and they can be incredibly ruthless, but they love their racing and yeah. that's all they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what they're there for. That's beautiful. It's purist, isn't it? Like Braun GP in a way. So, uh, Kubica, fourth. Vettel, third. I'm talking about grid positions here. Barrichello, second. And Jensen Button on pole. I can't wait for the race. Zog, make a prediction. What's going to happen? Button's going to win. Is he? Is he really? Yeah, of course he is. 
Is he going to win it with a flourish or is he going to struggle across the line because there'll be some cock up in the pit lane? Or I is... think it may not be a, a trouble-free race, mm. but I think he's going to lead for most, if not all, of the race. A fiver says Vettel will win. You're on. Shake on it. That's it. You've been listening to the first part of Gareth Jones on speed. Uh, get your glass on. Oh, uh, get your glass. It's over there. You have to take his headphones off to reach it. We're having a glass of bubbly. Yes, uh, see, I, was, I was being professional. And I, I, put, I put my booze out of reach. Yeah. So there we go. Hey. Cheers. To F1. To F1. Uh, uh, we'll be back for our race report of the first race of F1 2009 uh, after we've had some sleep and after you've listened to this. <laughs> Understanding Formula One, Lesson 13, How to Explain When Your Car is Rubbish. Number one, Ron Dennis, McLaren. There is a performance shortfall that we are addressing with our resources. Our strength in depth means that this does not represent anything more than a temporary time frame eventuality. Number two, Patrick Head of the Williams team. Oh. Well, let's be honest here. If the car isn't quick enough, then someone needs to kick up the bloody arse. Number three. Christian Horner, Red Bull. Well, the car's shit, innit? Right. F1 2009! Don't pop your cock! Actually, you can pop your corks because the corks have been popped now (laughs) because in the few moments that have transpired in audio terms while you were listening to that sketch, Zug and I managed to get four hours sleep and then watch a race. Blimey, what a race. A historic race. And I'll have that five and a half, you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) actually, I'll uh, have to owe you that one. A five. Okay, we're in credit. We'll keep keep a tally over the whole season. You said Jensen would win it. I did. You were dead right. He he was on pole and he delivered. Fantastic to see. I mean, really quite emotional because, you know, he's a tremendously skilled driver, which you really see in the wet in particular and on those in-car shots. He's just so smooth. He's a lovely, lovely driver, but he hasn't had an opportunity to show his class and what a fantastic story today that they've come up with a car and both their drivers delivered i mean fantastic but to be fair jensen managed to do what kimmy failed to do what kubitzer or bobby k as he's now known uh, <laughs> failed to do yeah, yeah. what uh, vettel failed to do what so many drivers failed to do kept it on the black stuff uh, yeah and put the car in the best possible position. Amazing. Yeah, and I mean, well, he was talking at the end of the race in the press conference about how it, it wasn't maybe as easy as it looked because when you're leading a race, the light wasn't that good. When you're not following anyone, it's, it could be harder to pick out your line. You could rely to some extent on the guy in front to sort of spot for you if it's a little bit hard because of light, because of glare in your eyes and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, he didn't have that safety blanket. You know, on the other hand, he had the safety blanket of being in first place, you know, and uh, that's not bad. And this is a function of the race starting a little bit later than usual in Australia so that you and I can get a bit more sleep rather than have to get up in the middle of the night or stay awake all night. Yeah, good plan. I like this. Let's have more of this. Yeah, it worked for me. just want to point out a couple of things I noticed. Uh, The looks of the cars, it's great to see the cars. It seems to work, doesn't it? It actually, the Kerr's big front wing, more mechanical grip, less aero grip thing seems to work. And I think an even greater factor to the entertainment on the track, because it had quite a lot of passing going on, was the disparity between 
the different types of tyre, the super soft tyre yeah. and right. the, the regular tyre. You know, the super soft tyre goes off very, very quickly. The hard tyre is really, really hard. Mm. So you, you've either very sticky and then it grains or you have something that slips around but lasts a bit longer. So you had cars able to overtake each other perhaps that was a greater influence than the other technology and because also because the the soft tyres seemed to go off so quickly you would get cars kind of moving backwards and forwards through the field perhaps a little bit more quickly than you know we've seen before and that's encouraging uh, so it's very entertaining yeah yeah and also worth noting that Toyota really really pulled something out of the bag there having started from the pit lane not only did truly finish on the podium which is you know the the headline news, but Glock was only two places behind him. He was fifth. I mean, yeah. that you know, that's yeah. a great result. I mean, I know they'd lost a bunch of cars which had fallen off in front of them. They'd lost Massa, they'd lost Kubica, they'd lost Vettel. But even so, mm. you could argue that if they'd started the race from their qualifying position, the one that they got before they were excluded from qualifying, they could well have won that race. Yeah, who knows? Although uh, mm. I think you know, Braun would certainly have given them a run for their money. And will Braun maintain that form? What do you reckon? It's going to be a big ask because they're going to have to maintain development. All the other teams are still pumping loads of money in to play catch up and overtake. The Braun cars, as far as I understand, are not running Kerr's. Yep. Some of the others are. I think we're going to see Kurs come into its own later in the season as they better understand the system. And so you'll get an advantage over race distance rather than a, a qualifying. You know, Kurs may be a disadvantage for qualifying, but over a race distance, I think it could really help. That's an interesting thing, actually. How differently are the drivers using Kurs in qualifying as opposed to the race? Because I can see that, you know, there may be a way to use Kurs on a clear track to optimise your lap times, and you will use it in a slightly different way if you're racing people on track. I suppose Kurs works both ways. It's not just for attacking, it is for defending. I wanted to talk about the cars. I'm, I, we got distracted by Kurs then. And not the Kurs system, as people say. Yes, yeah, I'm glad you made that point because it was annoying me every time someone said Kurs system. No, it's not Kurs system. It's Kinetic Energy Recovery System system. No. Yeah. Uh, Pin number. No, it's PIN. Personal identification number. Exactly. Right Thank you. Yes. We I, could I, go on, but, you know, we're <laughs> going to get rid of it. So, there we go. I wanted to talk about the look of the cars. Two things I noticed. The BMW Sauber really looks like a shark. Last year, it looked like an Angel Interceptor with that inverted delta wing on top. This year, I think it really looks like a black-finned shark. I'll probably put a picture on the website to some effect to describe that. Although not quite as much as a BMW 3.0 CSI the, with that sort of wonderful nose. That was very shark-like. Was yeah, very yeah, shark-like. yeah. The Toro Rosso and the Red Bull. Same car. It has these sort of... Uh, almost like two half pipes running down the length of the nose at the extremities and over the front wheels, giving it an almost velociraptor eyebrow look, which mm. my small son and I had to agree on. Yeah, it looks like a velociraptor. But the neatest bit of design on all the cars, I think, was the swept wing mounts on the brawn. It's got a nice sort of swept delta wing thing. Well, swept wing, not a delta wing, with wing mounts on. That makes it look really racy. The cars look great, didn't they? The one thing I'm going to pick up on on the look of the cars is well done to Braun GP for introducing a new colour to the sport. Yeah. You know, it's not another sort of black, white, silver, red combination. That white and sort of fluorescent yellow 
High vis luminous urine yellow, I think it is, and they're not taking the. I don't think that's going to be the official name they'll be adopting for it, but yeah, it, it looks great. I think that could change, though, with the Virgin if they do take a greater role in sponsoring the team. They'll bring a bit more money in, and uh, you know they'll bring in colours, Virgin colour. Yeah. Sure, sure. Other thing is really quite surprising how many cars finished the race. We haven't got Kurs on all of the cars, but but Kurs is there to uh, to mess things up. Exactly, mm. that's something you'd expect to be breaking, perhaps, although. I guess the teams that were too worried about it haven't been running it. So on the whole, the cars that are running Kurs are running fairly reliable Kurs. But, you know, most of the cars finished. 16 finishes. 16 finishes, which is twice as many as last year. Yeah, and the guys that didn't finish, Massa, I think, was the only mechanical retirement, wasn't he? Because all the the others were a result of crashes. Yeah. 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 Kovalainen was the first to go out in the first lap in that melee that included Heidfeld, Weber, Barrichello, Alonso, but Kovalainen was the unluckiest of the lot. The first big crash was Kazuki Nakajima, who we still don't understand why why he hit the wall but he did disappointing for McLaren in that Hakey was taken out of the equation when he seemed to be the quicker of the two McLarens but but, but <laughs> amazing to actually get the result that they got yeah they've got to, they've got to be really happy with fourth place yeah given how it was looking going into this weekend. And the team that have got to be really uh, disappointed, I think, are Ferrari. Yeah, a dismal weekend for them. What went wrong with Massa's car? Why did Kimi stuff it in the wall? Oh, shame. Yeah. My small son said, yeah, yeah, McLaren were lucky. I think it's more than mm. lucky. I think you make your own luck. And I said at the time, well, you've got to be in it to win it. And, you know, Lewis was in a position to pick up fourth place when all those others fell off in front of him. So in terms of championship <laughs> points you know Button's got 10 Barrichello's got 8 Trulli's got 6 Hamilton's got 5 he's 4th in the championship as a result of 4th in that race Uh, whereas uh, you look at the Ferraris nowhere and in the Constructors Championship Braun with a mighty 18 points what a start (laughs) Toyota 2nd with 10 points and all this is really helpful McLaren Mercedes 3rd with Five points. Renault, Alonso managed to score three points for Renault, whereas Piquet spun out. Well, yeah, I mean, all credit to Alonso for giving Renault the result that they got there and uh, and scoring those three points. Hamilton drove a fantastic race to get that car to fourth. I mean, again, you know, he was lucky to have Vettel and Kubica coming together ahead of him, and, you know, that made it easier. But even so, you know, he did a great job hacking through the field. Beautiful. And how sweet was that smile on Jensen's face on the podium. It's a lovely to see happy people on the podium, wasn't it? It is. It and is. he was really enjoying that moment, wasn't he? Yeah, but will we see it again? I mean, I suspect that you know, that, that Braun car is going to look quick, certainly until we get back to Europe, until teams yeah. like McLaren can do a bit more work on catching up, on probably copying some of what uh, Braun and Toyota and Williams are doing with their diffuser. But Hey, Nico had a good race, talking about it very, very briefly. He was at a very old busy race, but Nico finish in the end he was well he really fell off towards the end though looking good but but those last few laps he he really dropped back and Mm. yeah that's a shame but they were looking busy throughout the race there was always action going on with Nico wasn't there which is interesting so maybe their mechanical system is reliable but ultimately doesn't have the performance advantage of an electronic system they're not running their cursor oh they're not at all they don't have it on the car yet didn't know that they've got this different flywheel based rather than battery based storage system it's got the same basic energy recovery system from the wheels, but the way they're storing the energy, 
It's flywheel-based, not battery-based. They're the only team that's doing that. They reckon it's going to give them an advantage, but they haven't got it to a point where they're ready to run it on the car yet, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when they do have it on the car. But, you know, how long, how much longer are we going to have this cursed stuff for anyway? There seems mm. to be, you know, everyone seems to be... Thinking, I mean, they're yeah. gnawing about it. I think it's mm. a good idea. If it's not the optimum technology at the moment, if it doesn't give you the benefits of the weight, how long before all the geniuses in F1 manage to reverse that? And so you have a curse which... I nearly said curse system, correct himself. <laughs> you have a curse which does offer a benefit, and then that is useful to road cars, which is what F1 really used to be all about. And talking about the history of F1, or Grand Prix racing, maybe I should say, there's some dispute as to the achievements of the Braun team. Now, this is the first team to win on its debut since Wolf. Uh, is that right? But I think, yeah, well, yeah, Wolf in the 70s sometime. And the first team to have a 1-2... Since and I just checked this up because uh, someone had said it was 1952 when Mercedes debuted in the sport, and no, it, it was 1954 yeah. um, when Mercedes re-entered exactly. Grand Prix racing or rather F1 racing as it had then become. But it was definitely 54 that Mercedes took a one-two with Fangio and Carl Kling at the French Grand Prix. And you see, you could argue that that's not a debut at all. That you know, that's a comeback because Mercedes were present in the pre-F1 Grand Prix era of the 1930s. They were Hitler's team, weren't they? But that wasn't Formula One. Yeah. That was Grand Prix racing, and that's thing. the difference. But whatever, we applaud. Oh, yes, yeah. astounding achievements. Fantastic, and it just sets us up for a tremendous season. I can't wait for the rest of it. Finally, on a very brief note, I thought the BBC did a superb job. Really, it was very, very entertaining. Even if they did take a system. Great work by the BBC, except, and it's still bugging me, those really, really horrible trails that they had on both TV and radio. And the tiny graphics. I don't know if it's me getting older or if the track position graphics rolling at the bottom of the screen are about 50% smaller than they used to be on ITV. I had to stand up to look at it to say, who's where? Yeah. So that might be something to improve. But hey, we, you know, you've got your laptop open, your PowerBook open, so we can always check Life it. timing. Yeah. But yeah. Zog, thank you for enjoying the first race with me. What a, a pleasure. What a joy. What a joy. Um, we'll be back with another Gareth Jones on speed in about 12 days' time, in which time there will have been... A Another race at Malaysia. Here's one, Zog. Quickly, will Braun win again? I think they've got to be favourites, haven't they? No, I think they are. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Although, I wouldn't discount Toyota. Seriously. Amazingly. I never thought I'd be saying that, but incredible. I agree. We'll leave you with a piece of music. We always finish the first race of the season with a little song called It's Nice to Have F1 Back. So, here's this year's version. Say goodbye or good morning or good night, Zog. Good morning, good night. Uh, yeah, I think I might go and get some more kip now. Good idea. See you in 12 days. Bye, guys. Sports no worse, but I miss the adverts, I can take a burst. Massa's car died, he was out of the race. McLaren looked crap and Toyota looked ace. Rubens hit everyone cause if he was a jerk. Looks like Renault got their curves to work. Lewis was unlucky but it worked out well And Weather suffered a home race from hell Surely looked good and showed lots of pep But it was Button who stood on the topmost step Bronze brain put Jensen at number one I wonder if he could be this year's champion 
Trilly's been given a penalty. Hamilton's third. Brilliant. Oh, Sog's gone home. I'm going to get that into the podcast. <laughs>